Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Exodus, chapter 14, verses 10 through 18. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, Leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It is better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots, and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. This is the word of God for all people. Thanks be to God. This morning, um, the message that I've prepared is, has a Palm Sunday tie-in uh, because it deals with how to face a crisis. And um, Jesus, when he faced the ultimate crisis in his life, Uh, going to the cross for us, decided to face it head on. And he went into Jerusalem and he dealt with um, everything that he knew would be awaiting him in that city. And yet he did so uh, willingly because he did so for us. And so keep that in mind as I go through the message today, which is how to face a crisis. Uh, This past week, uh, one of the church members right here at Missouri United Methodist uh, called me and basically reflecting on all the changes and challenges that this time uh, is presenting us, said to me, you know, Fred, I know that God said, uh, you know, that more would not be put on us than we could bear. But I wonder if God um, doesn't, hasn't overestimated my abilities. And I imagine that a lot of us are feeling that way right now. Uh, and I think Moses and the people of Israel must have felt that way uh, when they were caught between the Pharaoh's powerful pursuing army and the Red Sea. So you remember the story, but take a moment to remember it with me. Moses experienced God's presence at the burning bush. And God uh, called Moses in this dramatic encounter uh, to go to Egypt and bring the people out of slavery and into the freedom of the promised land. And remember how reluctant Moses was at first uh, to accept this difficult task. Uh, He was not overjoyed at the prospect of telling the Pharaoh Uh, to let the people go. I mean, uh, you could lose your head, literally, um, talking to an Egyptian ruler like that. So Moses knew this was going to be a dreadful task, and he knew that uh, facing the Pharaoh was fearsome enough, but to get him to go along with the idea of freeing the Israelite slaves was well-nigh impossible, and Moses knew it. And so Moses was hesitant at first, but God said, Moses, don't worry, you go tell Pharaoh to let my people go, and I'm going to go with you. Um, and so Moses went forward, uh, not sure how uh, all this was going to turn out, but trusting God anyway to be with him. 
And then remember how after a series of confrontations and conferences and dialogues and debates and plagues, finally the Pharaoh gave in. Uh, he gave the Israelites their freedom. And so quickly Moses rallied the people, led them out of Egypt, uh, out of slavery. Uh, it was a great day. The people of Israel were filled with joy. Uh, this was a historic moment for them. This was their exodus, their deliverance, their salvation. But then as they made uh, camp at the Red Sea, they looked back and on the horizon they saw this huge cloud of dust and they listened and heard the unmistakable uh, rumble of chariots and horses and soldiers and they knew what that meant. Uh, the Pharaoh had changed his mind. Uh, it was Pharaoh's army coming after them and uh, to recapture them, or maybe even worse, uh, they were scared uh, because they were trapped, they were pinned in, they were, uh, they were caught, caught between the Pharaoh and the deep Red Sea. Now, interestingly, this dramatic story in the book of Exodus, um, as we read between the lines, uh, offers several different ways in which people uh, deal with crisis experiences in life. In fact, I think maybe they are even classic responses to our human experience of trouble and difficulty and challenge and opportunity and change. And so I want us to look briefly at them, and I think you'll find some touch points for this challenge that we currently face. The first uh, response to a crisis is people saying, let's just go back where we were. And that's what happened in this story. They said, let's go back to Egypt. Uh, what have you done to us, Moses? Why did you have to bring us out of Egypt? Why did you, uh, didn't you just leave us alone and let us go on with our pale but predictable lives serving the Egyptians? Things weren't so bad back there. Uh, we had things a lot better uh, being trapped out back there. Uh, we never did it this way before, uh, so let's just go back. Uh, sometime back I was attending a, a training event sponsored by the General Board of Discipleship of the United Methodist Church, and a very well-respected church consultant asked us a question. He said, whenever you're, uh, a congregation is trying to uh, make a decision, maybe chart a new course forward, do something creative and new, um, what is the most powerful force at work? What's the most powerful force at play? He asked us the question, and nobody responded, and then he finally responded for us and said, the past. That's the most powerful force at work. And, and the past is so powerful because change is so difficult. And often when faced with it, we prefer the familiarity and the predictability of the past. Rather than risk the venture of moving into uncharted waters, we prefer to back off and retreat into the familiar. We often opt for the so-called good old days, forgetting that the good old days had their share of problems and struggles and conflicts and challenges too. But that's precisely what one group at the Red Sea cried out. Let's just go back to Egypt. Let's go back to where we were. Another classic response to a time of crisis is people saying, let's just run away and hide. Now, this ploy is as old as the Garden of Eden itself. Remember, as soon as Adam and Eve had their problem, what did they do? They tried to run away and they tried to hide. And people still attempt to do that. People still try to run away from their problems to somehow escape their troubles, uh, to flee from any crisis they face. But you really can't hide from trouble. And the Israelites certainly couldn't hide thousands and thousands of people out in the desert that day. That was not a possibility. During the war between the states the, at the Battle of Shiloh, 
a Union soldier from Ohio was wounded, shot in the arm. His captain saw that he was injured, and so he barked out an order, give me your, your rifle, soldier, and, and head to the rear, get to the rear. The soldier handed over his rifle to his captain and, and uh, ran back to the north seeking safety, but after just moving a few yards, he ran upon another skirmish. Uh, then he ran to the east and happened upon yet another part of the battle there. And, and then he ran west and, uh, and encountered more fighting there. And so finally he ran back to the front lines and shouted to the captain, Give me my rifle back, captain. There ain't no rear to this battle. Precisely. There's not a rear to this struggle. Uh, you see, when it comes to crisis moments in life, when difficulties come, there ain't no rear to this battle. You really cannot run away and hide in times of crisis. Another classic response to crisis is let's just lie down and feel sorry for ourselves. And that's the way many people deal with crisis moments. They just quit on life. They give in to self-pity. They have no energy left to rise to the occasion to deal with the difficulties creatively because they're expending all of their energy uh, crying, woe is me, and feeling sorry for themselves. Sometime back... I came across a really interesting human, uh, human interest story about a young mother who was trying to give some liquid medicine to her two-year-old son. Uh, she had put him in a high chair, put the medicine in a spoon, and was trying to get him to take his medicine, but the two-year-old was not in a cooperative mood and would have none of it. He would shut his mouth tightly. He would shake his head defiantly from side to side. He would hit at the spoon with both hands. The young mother tried and tried to no avail. He would not cooperate. She coaxed, she pleaded, she threatened, she bribed, but to no avail. He wouldn't take his medicine. And finally, in exasperation, exhausted, worn out, the young mother gave in to self-pity. She threw the spoon down, ran out of the room in tears, fled to her bedroom, and fell across the bed sobbing. But in a few minutes, she heard loud laughter coming from the kitchen. It was her two-year-old son laughing delightfully. Curious, she went back into the kitchen to investigate and found that grandmother had solved the problem. She had mixed the medicine with orange juice, put the mixture into a water pistol, and was shooting it into the wide open mouth of the delighted little boy. So what does that suggest? We only have so much energy, folks. And if we use up our energy on self-pity, we won't have any left over for creative solutions. Lying down and feeling sorry for ourselves is not the way forward. Another classic response to times of crisis is let's just find somebody to blame. Isn't it interesting how when something goes wrong, the first thing we often want to do is find someone to blame for it. Look at the Israelites at the Red Sea. They see the cloud of dust on the horizon that's being kicked up by the Pharaoh's army and immediately they turn to Moses Moments ago, Moses was their champion, their leader, their hero. But now when trouble rears its head, they go for the jugular. It's all your fault, Moses. A fine mess you've gotten us into. Why did we ever listen to you? You're the one to blame for all of this. I can tell you a story, a previous pastoral appointment. This has been quite a few years ago. But my first week on the job, I was asked by uh, some concerned church members to go and make a pastoral call at the home of a parishioner that they knew was really deeply in trouble. And uh, so I did. 
Uh, I went seeing if I could offer some assistance to this gentleman and his family. Uh, this man happened to be in the midst of a long, miserable, drunken binge. And when I knocked on the door, I heard a lamp or something crash to the floor. Uh, the church member I was visiting was uh, stumbling around in a stupor and had fallen. I knocked again, called out his name. He mumbled something, and I decided that I'd open the door and walk in. I introduced myself as his new pastor, and he began to cry immediately. I helped him to his feet, got him to a chair in the kitchen, uh, tried my best to talk to him for a few awkward moments when all of a sudden he uh, began to rant and rave against anyone and everything for putting him in such a bad state. It's not an overstatement to say he blamed his wife, he blamed his parents, he blamed his in-laws, he blamed his neighbors, he blamed those hypocrites down at the church, he blamed the mayor, he blamed the president and Congress, he even cursed God for letting him be born, and I listened. And then he turned to me and he said, well, aren't you going to say anything? And I said, well... I was just trying to see if there was anybody else you could think of to blame for your problems. He looked at me angrily for just a few moments, um, and maybe I thought I might have gone too far. But then he looked down at his feet, and after a few moments of additional silence, he said, I've made a mess of my life, haven't I? And I said, you're in a mess right now, that's for sure. But your life is not over. You can start again. Do you really believe that, he said. And I assured him, I believe that. The question is, do you believe it? To finish this story, um, this guy turned his life around. Instead of expending all of his energies blaming everybody else for his problem, uh, he admitted that he needed help. He admitted that there was some action he needed to take. And I have to tell you that that same man that I saw on that first week at that new appointment uh, reached out to the congregation for help, reached out to me, reached out to God for help, and became one of the most faithful and most productive uh, confidants uh, in, that I ever had in my ministry. I mean a true partner in ministry as a layperson in that church. Uh, all because he decided he wasn't going to waste energy on trying to blame everybody else uh, for the problems and challenges he faced. And then finally, the last classic response to a crisis, to trouble, is to say, let's go forward, trusting God. Although they were caught between the Pharaoh and the Red Sea, Moses didn't give up, Moses didn't quit, Moses didn't throw in the towel. He trusted God. He encouraged the people not to fear, but rather to stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which God will work for us today. When trouble, trouble suddenly erupts into our lives, we can remember Moses at the Red Sea. He didn't have all the answers, but you know what? He did stay in communication with God. And he did go forward. And he did do his best. And he did trust God to bring he and the people of Israel through. I find it interesting in this story that God didn't promise to bring them over it or around it or under it, but God promised to bring the people through that crisis and that's where we're at we're facing a crisis and God promises not to bring us over it or under it or around it but God promises to bring us through it together let's trust God amen good morning and happy Palm Sunday 
My name is Shelby Ringdahl, and I'm so grateful to be able to share some music with you this morning. This is one of my favorites, and I find it really applicable during these uncertain times. Well, Missouri United Methodist Church family, I want to invite us into a time of prayer together. So let's, let's join together in taking our, our, um, our request to God. Let's pray. Oh God, we come to you this morning still in the midst of this ongoing crisis that has gripped our families, our communities, our nation, our world. Everything has changed in such a short span of time. So many of the familiar patterns and comfortable rhythms of life have been altered. We are sheltered in place. Our ability to gather as we had before is now limited. Many of us are working from home, caring for our children and families, practicing the physical distancing that is necessary for our safety and well-being. And even though we are physically distanced from one another, we are making every effort to stay connected socially by reaching out digitally through social media, through caring cards and calls, offering encouragement and support for one another. And yet, if we're honest, we still feel a measure of disconnection and disorientation. We are anxious, unsure of what the future holds. Thankfully, with all that is shifting and changing right now in our world and in our lives, one thing remains unchanged, your love, your grace, your strength, your presence with us, the hope of our faith in you. And so as we face the challenges ahead together, help us to resist the impulses to retreat in fear or to waste our human energies scapegoating and finding fault. Rather, let us pour our energies and efforts into doing what we know is best right now. May we invest in our relationships with each other, widen our circle of compassion and care, 
and deepen our trust in you. Be with us all as we move through this time together. And be with us now as we join our hearts together in praying the prayer our Lord has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.